0: Good morning and happy new year. It's good to see some familiar faces and some not so familiar faces. And uh, I just w- pray that this year for you will be one where um, God becomes increasingly uh, real in your experience. I love that Gandhi movie. <clears throat> I haven't seen it for a long time. The little bit you saw there is when he's in um, South Africa. It's the early days of his uh, life and when he's probably formulating his... <coughs> um, Just way of thinking about uh, non-violent protest and all those sorts of things. And, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, how his beliefs are carried through into action. That's really the point I wanted to make from that little movie clip, that he believes something really strongly and, uh, it motivates everything that he does. And he's prepared to walk into that difficult situation where his uh, minister friend is not so prepared. Uh, and he's prepared to trust that, uh, what he believes, uh, is worth standing up for courageously. And so his, his walk uh, was consistent with his talk and so when he talked about what he was going to do and how he needed to have courage and he went and did it. Now it's interesting, the minister's uh, responses were well maybe Jesus didn't mean that literally and, <laughs> and uh, maybe that was just lucky that time whereas uh, Gandhi, uh, not a follower of Jesus necessarily but uh, seemed to have a, <clears throat> a significant faith in, a, in an interesting sort of way. You know, a, a credible life matters, doesn't it? We we look at we looked at these uh, occupations here this morning, and um, go back to that. <clears throat> we looked at uh, the things that were consistent with being an air traffic controller or being a ballet dancer, and you can imagine if if I claim to be a doctor, and uh, I arrive at your house in a plumber's truck, and I, I come to your bedside with a couple of really big tools, um, you'd have reason to doubt that I was a doctor, you'd say that's incredible and uh, you wouldn't believe me when I said I'm a doctor. If I said I was a physiotherapist and I listened to all about your ailment, all your aches and your pains, but I didn't give you any treatment or exercise advice or anything, you wouldn't call me back the next time because you'd you'd say that my credibility was at stake. You hadn't, I hadn't helped you in any way in what I claimed to be my, my skill in life. And you know, if I was a postman and I just loved looking at letters, but I never actually got around to delivering them, you'd lose confidence in me as a postman. And you know, this morning as we talk about this, I want to suggest that if I claim to be a follower of Jesus and I, I love going to church and I love listening to, to talks and I even listen to podcasts, but every other day I I get angry and I I tell lies and I I treat people like dirt if they're not my type and and I put people down and, and I think only about myself and I get devastated if my life isn't turning out the way I want it to, then you'd have good reason to question the genuineness, the credibility of my faith. These three weeks in January, we're going to look at the New Testament book of James, just little snippets from it, but James is an incredible book and he has a lot to say about this idea of our, our walk and our talk uh, being in agreement. It's just a five chapter book and in this month of January I'd really encourage you to read it and read it and read it again. It's a fantastic little practical book. It's five chapters of short wisdom speeches but they're, they're full of metaphors, they're full of one-liners and they're written generally to all followers of Jesus and they're written by James, he's the half brother of Jesus, and he became the leader of the, the Mother Church, if you like, in Jerusalem. And it was written through difficult times, times of, of famine and poverty, and persecution. And James, I believe, was eventually martyred for his faith. And as you read it, you can see how strongly it's influenced by the teaching of Jesus, particularly Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through to 7. Uh, but you could actually look at all these little little sections in, in James, these little wisdom speeches, and you could find an equivalent in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, of the sort of points that James is trying to get across. He also draws on wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And some people refer to the book of James as like the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's, it's full of these pithy little sayings and uh, real short wisdom speeches. So it's a great little book and my encouragement to you would be uh, read it and read it and read it again. But James goes so far as to say that faith, by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? It's the actions of a follower of Jesus that make his faith credible or believable. You see, followers of Jesus have acknowledged that Jesus is the rightful king, uh, and they want their actions to reflect the values of the kingdom that he brought. Now you might say isn't it all about grace? Isn't the good news of Jesus all about grace? And yes, the the New Testament teaches really strongly that we're made right with God not because of the good deeds we do, but it's all because of what God has done for us in Jesus. The, the New Testament says in Ephesians it says by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. It's not by what you do, not by your deeds, so that nobody's got anything to boast about. But then Paul, in that verse, he goes on to say, "Yeah, but we are his workmanship; we're his masterpiece, if you like, created in Christ Jesus to do good works." And so there's a logical progression. We come to faith in Jesus because of what Jesus has done for us. But that faith needs to be demonstrated. It needs to be made credible by the things that we do. Some people have questioned James and says he's all about works, but I believe the same emphasis you see there in some of the things that Paul says. The actions that flow from faith in Jesus are not the things that make us acceptable to God. Um, Jesus alone could do that, and he did that through his death and resurrection. But the actions that we do in keeping with the things that God would want us to do, they follow uh, as a result of the new life that follows of Jesus' embraced. Troy used to talk about handing over the keys, handing over control of our life uh, to someone else, to God allowing Jesus to take the reins, if you like. And so when we do that, we don't become perfect overnight. And so James has some things to say to us that we might be struggling with, and we're not going to get on top of these overnight, but our attitude should be that we resolve with God's help to grow and to change and to be done with what characterised our old ways before we met Jesus. James, the reason I've got this mirror here isn't so that I can look at myself while I'm talking to you, just to see that everything's okay. Um, This mirror is here for a purpose. And um, James uses a metaphor, which I've called the mirror metaphor. And he says this, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, do what it says. Now in James' time, when he was talking about the word, he was probably talking about the Old Testament plus the message about Jesus. He says, don't merely listen to that and deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. So that's why I brought this mirror. You see, I could look into this mirror and I could... I could see that I've got this bit of spinach in my teeth from uh, from dinner from last night. <laughs> and I, I could see that I, I'm bleeding down here because I cut myself shaving this morning. And um, I, I could I could see that I've got this massive lipstick mark here from when Auntie Mabel came over for dinner last night and she placed one on me. And... Um, then I could put the mirror away and just walk away. And you say that's so stupid. If you had all those things happening to you and you could actually see it, you'd do something about it, wouldn't you? And James is making this point so clearly. How stupid it would seem. Now, in those in those times, I dare say they didn't have these fancy mirrors that had lights in them and made you look bigger than you are and all that. And they probably didn't have real quality mirrors. And so it's probably quite possible that you could look in a mirror and after a period of time forget what you looked like because they probably weren't everywhere like we see mirrors everywhere. Have you ever been in one of those changing rooms where you see yourself from different angles and it's quite scary? (laughs) Profiles profiles of yourself that you never thought you had. (laughs) Uh, Things you think, man, I need to do a bit of work on that. (laughs) But if we look in a mirror and we go away and we do nothing, James says... That's like reading and hearing the word of God, learning what God wants for you, learning the way God wants you to live, and actually going away and doing nothing about it. So a follower of Jesus who thinks he can just listen to what God says in the Bible without aligning his way of life to what the Bible says, James says, is foolish, is foolish. You notice in that verse that James refers to the perfect law that gives freedom. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when we think about laws, it's in, the, it's in two places in James. When we think about laws, we think a law and freedom, they, they sort of shouldn't coexist. And, uh, and yet we know somehow that laws are for our good and they actually do give us freedom. I, I went with my grandkids this week to uh, bounce, Now, I'd never been to Bounce before. I know the youth group kids go to Bounce often. Bounce is great, isn't it? I could understand why you'd enjoy that. Trampolines, like you've never... More trampolines than I'd ever seen in my life. But Bounce could potentially be a dangerous place, so they have some rules. And on their board, they say this, safety rules and guidelines. Safety is our number one priority. Please understand the risks and take care. The potential for injury is greatly reduced when you jump safe, jump within your skill level, follow the rules and watch out for other jumpers. But then I've been thinking about this morning and this struck me. It said, the whole point of bounce is to have as much fun as possible jumping around. A critical part of this is a safe and soft landing and a safe environment to enjoy a real sense of freedom. Our rules and guidelines are are designed to keep everyone safe and minimise the chance of injury. And so they're equating having to have these rules, needing to have these rules, because it actually gives you freedom. You can't actually enjoy bounce to the full if you actually don't live by these rules. And I could actually see why that was a reality when I was there. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, not forgetting what they've seen in the mirror, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. And then James says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. So you say, what is that law that gives freedom? You know, Jesus, when he was asked, what's the most important thing in the law? And Ali read this this to us this morning when we were praying this morning. They said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. With all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is like this love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And in a sense, what James is teaching all through the book of James could be summed up in these two uh, statements that are so foundational to the teaching of Jesus love God with heart, mind, and soul, and love people. Like you love yourself. But James gets really practical. And, uh, this week I want to just cover three really practical things. Next week Yvonne's going to talk about our tongues and the, the things that, the trouble that our tongues can get and how we need to have control over those. So I'm going to try and avoid those things this morning, but let's get practical. This is how practical James is. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Sometimes we might feel we need to be angry and we're angry for a just cause and uh, all of that and there's a place for that. James doesn't say don't be angry but he says be slow to be angry and there's other places in the Bible that talk about being angry without sinning but most times I think when you and I get angry our anger is usually accompanied by other stuff that's not healthy stuff like our own wounded pride or malicious thoughts towards somebody or envy or whatever. And so these three little simple things, I think, are fantastic advice that James gives us. We need to have measured reactions to things. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you take nothing away from this morning, that's the one-liner, isn't it? What, What if in 2019 I was just a little bit quicker to listen, just to actually hear someone else before I responded back and slow to speak and certainly slow to become angry. Now, that's the first one. Second, I've called it genuine care and self-care. James says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, James is saying, all right, you want to follow God's way. If that's what you're really wanting to do, here's how. First, there are people out there who need your help, desperately need your help, and you need to help them. And second, he says, there's a messy world out there, and that world's going to try and mess up your life as well. And so make sure you focus on the first thing, helping people out there, and you avoid the second thing, getting messed up by the messy world that you're a part of. And then almost to uh, expand on this idea of, of genuine care, James says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food and if one of you says to, to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. James says that this faith without accompanying actions is like seeing someone who's cold and hungry and saying, "Go in peace, peace, be warm and well fed," but actually not doing anything for them. And it's not as if um, James is actually not aware of what the problem is. He sees uh, that he's not ignoring the poverty of the of the person. Uh, it's almost like he's believing that the words are somehow enough to make a difference to that person. Be warm and well-fed and yet doing nothing. And we look at that and we think, how obvious is that? And sometimes I think we need to have that obvious uh, message come right through to us, don't we? It's so easy to see people who are desperately in need and to ignore the need that we see. Finally, no favouritism. No favouritism. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or "Sit sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges? with evil thoughts doesn't need a lot of explanation a lot of what you read in the book of James does it it's pretty straight none of the things i've said there need a lot of explanation quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry genuine care religion that's pure and faultless is to look after orphan and widows in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world and let's not show favoritism if somebody comes and they're not as well dressed or as influential as others N.T. Wright in his commentary on the book of James talks about going to a, a church a meeting that he was thought he was well on time but realised that he wasn't when he got outside and there were people queuing and uh, as he got there there was a, another uh, person who was obviously quite important and that person went up to the usher and, uh, come with, with uh, Mr. Wright and took him by the arm and said come with me and um, he said uh, can you get us a seat and uh, they got express lane right through to the front and uh, Tom Wright says he sat in that uh, meeting all the time hoping that the, uh, the usher hadn't read the book of James because they, were ex- they were certainly showed uh, favouritism on that morning. I've got a credibility test as we close. The guys are going to sing a song uh, as we close and it's called Here's My Heart and we're going to join in with them. And I think it's an opportunity for us to say to God at the start of, of 2019, here is my heart. And I want my life to be credible. I want the things that I do uh, to match up with the things that I say. I want the things that I do to be consistent with the faith in Jesus that I claim to have. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you these questions. Does the way I live show that I trust the God that I say I follow? How are my reactions? Do I need to deal with my anger? Do I really, really care about the needy? Or am I really just looking after myself? Am I in a place where I'm actually letting the mess of the world mess with me to the extent that it's, uh, it's destroying me? Do I treat some people as more equal than others? James says in the first chapter, and it's a magnificent chapter for you to read, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives graciously to all without finding fault. I wonder if your prayer this morning can be, here's my heart, Lord, here's my heart.